This is Roof English Radio with Darenata, daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Roof. Hello, it's Roof English Radio. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company today. I'm in Akureyri in the north of Iceland. I'm with my colleague Olofrun Erlensdottir here in the capital of North Iceland. It is, isn't it? Yes, it is. Without doubt. Yeah. Well, you can tell by the weather today. It's snowing. Beautiful, yeah. What's the weather been like in the last few weeks? Uh, the last few weeks it's been freezing, minus 10-ish, apart from a couple of days last week when it went suddenly over uh, the frost limit. We had, I think, plus three, four, five-ish degrees. Everything seemed to be melting and then it froze again very suddenly. So yes. things are back to normal. Back to normal. But the last time I was here was during the summer and it felt really warm. I mean, not just relatively warm, but actually hot, uncomfortably hot. Yeah, it seems <laughs> we sometimes have uh, more extreme seasons here up north yes, than, than yes. they do in the capital. Definitely so. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's take a look at what's been happening in the last few days in Iceland. And we start... As we've often done with what is happening in Grindavik, and specifically to the residents of Grindavik, the proposals in the last couple of days that those residents should now have longer to decide whether they want the government to sell or to buy their homes, and also longer to decide if they want to buy them back at any point. So they'll have till the end of the year to decide if they want to sell, and they'll under these proposals have three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, to decide if at some point they want to buy the house back. Still an incredibly difficult decision to make, isn't it? Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, uh, I think this is a, at least a, a good step, this one. I think it's a it's a response to what the residents have been calling for, I think. Mm. But yeah, I, there's things have been changing so rapidly. And I've heard from people that I know in Grindavik that mm. have changed their minds uh, it, in just uh, a few days. I mean, yeah. you can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can't even... Uh... No, I, I can't either. And the, the not the mayor, forgive me, it was the chair of the trade union in the town a couple of days ago who was saying no one comes out of this in Grindavik in the same position that they went into it. They're either going to have to spend more money on a bigger house or they're going to have to live in a smaller house or they're going to have to spend time waiting for accommodation to become available. Everyone is going to be negatively, I mean, whatever happens, everyone that's affected by this is going to be negatively affected by it. Yeah, and I think uh, it's, I mean, just losing your home is bad enough, losing the house you want to live in, but also the town. I mean, there's a reason these people chose Grindavik to live in. They don't, or I would think they don't want to live in the capital, and they Mm. don't want to live in a tiny flat in Reykjavik or Akureyri or wherever, so... And if your job's there, yeah. you know, if you work in fishing. Your whole life, yeah. It, it is, as you say, the, the whole life. And who would blame any of those residents for thinking, even if nothing else, even if they don't think the town is unsafe, they would think, well, we don't want to be evacuated every four weeks. Just the mm-hmm. sheer inconvenience of that, apart from anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah, and I would think also people would uh, look to, like Vestmanair, where people safely returned yes. and have been safely living for decades. So there would be this like kernel of hope looking to Vesmanair, but it seems we're dealing with a completely different thing this time. Yes. Well, we have lots of listeners to Roof English Radio around the world. So just put in context where we are, we're up in the north of the country, almost mm-hmm. on the Arctic Circle. There are uh, Teutonic plates that meet just um, east of here and... Uh, Close to Husavik, actually, mm, mm. Uh, there is an uh, area that was active thousands of years ago. But I mean, uh, well, say, Reykjanes went eight hundred years. Yes, without. <laughs> I mean, we we used yeah. to quite confidently say that it was 
uh, only active thousands of years ago, so you needn't worry about it <laughs> at yes. all, but yes. who knows? Well, I think a lot of people in the Reykjanes Peninsula are looking to the north, certainly, with a bit of envy for mm-hmm. the, you know for that reason, if if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, a story that that went really well, if as we say on on Roof English uh, a few days ago, concerned the merger between Tolknafjörður district and Vesterbyth in the west of Iceland, um, because the the struggle now is to come up with a new name for this municipality. But it's not the only pair of municipalities that might be merging. Uh, Skagabith and Hunabih might also be merging on the 1st of June. Now, these municipalities are just to the west of mm-hmm. where we're sitting, aren't they? Yeah. Um, this has been There have been talks in that area of merging for years and years. Um, there's a tiny municipality called Skagastrand sitting just in the middle of, uh, or just between these two. Um, so uh, if this comes to be, there will be one really large municipality uh, on one side of them, or I guess two sides of them. And then yeah. on the third side will be Skagafjörður, another quite large municipality. So it will be interesting to see if they yeah. keep their sort of... Uh, if they want to keep to themselves as they as they have, um. because one of these municipalities is very small. It's in two bits, mm-hmm. as you say. It's either side of Strand, mm-hmm. but I think only ninety eight people live there. In, yes, in, in, in one I, of those around that. Yes, yeah. I believe that's true. Uh, and that's currently an independent municipality, which basically means independent council. Yeah, and a lot of, I mean, the direction of travel seems to be to bring these smaller municipalities together because there are cost savings and administrative issues become less of a problem. But then people want to keep the identities that Mm -hmm. they've had in the local areas. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that this is, I think, the plan, the the government sort of agenda is to uh, have, we have too many municipalities has been there. what they've uh, they've said before. Which and, one are uh, we in just now? This is uh, Akurerarbær, which is Akureyri, and then uh, Grimsey and Trisey. And then we have Eyjafjarðarsveit, uh, Hörgarsveit. There are just in the north. There are a lot of municipalities that we could see. I think in the next couple of years, starting to at least talk of merging. Yes, that would be at least my. Uh, my thoughts I, on it, but uh, Skagabyggð and Hunabyggð will just have to see because. Uh, I mean, there are these plans, there are these talks, but then it will be in the hands of the residents. There will yes. be have to be a vote, so we'll still have to see. They might uh, be against it, who knows? Well, I mentioned last week on Roof English Radio uh, in connection with the the merger of the two municipalities in the west of Iceland, which is going to happen, but they're looking for a new name. And one of our contributors to Roof English said, I don't care what it is, as long as it has fewer than four syllables. I'll be perfectly happy with that. I uh, don't see that happening. It's going to be more than four, <laughs> four syllables. I think so. Let's turn to the capital for mm-hmm. a, a story which I enjoyed very much. This is the story of the oldest flower shop in Iceland, Blomatog, which is now owned by a lawyer who had no experience with flowers at all. He was driving past the shop one day and thought, I quite fancy owning a flower shop, even though I know nothing about flowers. And it's going really well. 
Oh well, yeah, what a dream. I mean, uh, I think for all of us who work at a desk or in front of a computer for most of the week have dreamt of buying a flower shop or a coffee shop or being a librarian or something. It's nice to see someone who actually just takes the leap and does it. Yeah. Well, flowers are big here in this, oh, yeah. in this country. Yeah. Probably because they don't grow so obviously in, in many places, particularly during the winter. I turned 50 last year and my lovely colleagues at Rouve got me a bunch of flowers along with some some other gifts as well. I've never been given flowers in my life. Really? Until I turned 50 wow. in Iceland. I think, I mean, there are so many occasions in Iceland where you would give flowers. Konadagurin, Bondadagurin, yeah. birthdays. It doesn't have to be a big occasion even. Yeah. So this man, this is uh, Dagger Johansson, who is the new owner of Blomatorg. He's going to do quite well then, mm-hmm. even though he knows nothing about flowers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely rooting for him at least. <laughs> yeah, he says the last months have been the last few months have been full of lessons. There's a lot to learn in a new business, but uh, the experience has exceeded all expectations. He says it's a lot I have to learn, like packing, which is coming slowly. So good luck to him. That's Blomatog, which is Iceland's oldest flower shop. Another story that was very popular in the last few days concerned. The American sport, and there was some debate as to whether it is a sport, the game, you might say, which is known as cornhole in America, (laughs) but has been rebranded here in Akureyri as... Pokavar. Pokavar. Is the name they settled on, yes. Bag throw. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Varp is maybe maybe a bit more fancy than throw, but uh, yeah, that's the gist. I think cornhole is a a lot for... uh, any Icelander, but specifically maybe the older uh, people who yes. are the main, uh, who are the participants. Yeah. So this was a builder in Akureyri who discovered cornhole, this game of throwing a bag of corn into a hole in America, liked it so much, brought it back to Iceland, imports the bags from the USA. Mm-hmm. And then someone in Akureyri said that's a great sport or game for older people to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I mean, he built his own sort of, uh, what, can you call them like platforms or platform? The, yes, yes. Yeah, the with thing the whole, that you yeah. throw mm. the corn bag into, <laughs> uh, and it seems yeah he started off I think just with uh, a few people I would think just his friends or something, and uh, then Akureyrar buyers uh, took notice mm. and has sort of included it in uh, their uh, Leith Hilsustepna, uh, which I'm not sure what the <laughs> English term is for, but. Uh, I think they have around 30 people now and are looking yeah. actually for a, a bigger place to practice. Um, yeah, it, it seems to be sort of the new boccia. Boccia has been the thing for years and years. Which what is, is that? The, oh, the ball throwing okay. sport. Okay. Uh, it's pretty similar. It's uh, uh, The rules are, I think, pretty close to curling, but not on ice. You're throwing balls and they're supposed to hit a target bounce the other balls away. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a, a accessible game. Yes. So yes. I think that's the attraction with Cornhole. I think it's uh, accessible. Anyone can play. Anyone can learn it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a report, of course, filmed here in Akureyri on Rufretia during the course of the week where what I saw was a room full of people having a lot of fun, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and our, I mean, Gusti, August, our reporter, he's yes. over 60, he had a blast. Yes, yeah. it was him. <laughs> he, was, he was, of course, taking part as well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the northern spin on Cornhole, which we said was bags of fun um, in Akureyri. One final story I want to touch on, because I, I just don't think it would be a problem here yet, although it has been in Reykjavik. And as we have our conversation, I don't yet know whether this final traffic sense 
sensor has been fixed, but Cybrit, which is one of the main thoroughfares in Reykjavik, has been jammed up for a few months now because the traffic sensors that were supposed to be fitted to the traffic lights weren't activated. And so you had traffic lights that are supposed to detect when cars are coming and go green accordingly. They were just on a very basic timer, so people were getting stuck uh, there for ages and ages and ages. And as we have the conversation, there is still one sensor that needs to be fixed. I don't know whether it has been. Do you get ever traffic issues here in Akure? The town's growing so quickly. It feels like it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> uh, nothing close to what happened in Cyprus or Miklabrut, I would say. I mean, on uh, Glerarbrut, which is the street that's closest to the sea, it goes past Hof. Mm. I think that's probably the only street you would maybe have to wait for a while. But mm-hmm. luckily you can walk or, or cycle basically everywhere if yeah. if you want to skip the skip the wait. As a lot of tourists do when they're here during the summer, of course, coming off the ships. Yeah, and uh, most of our staff here uh, walks to work and most places they need to go. So even though Akureyri has a reputation for being a car town, I think that's slowly, slowly changing. And is that reputation because it is so spread out? I mean, you've got loads of space here and that's really used, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in part. And I think just uh, in the smaller towns in Iceland, they... A lot of them have this reputation for yeah. being car towns. And it's a just reputation, I would say. My uh, grandpa, been, uh, he, we lived in Dalvik. Mm. Uh, he, it would take him like 30, 45 seconds to walk to the shop, but he would take his car every time. And that's See, just that's how it was. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I, just how it was. And I, I love cars. And after this, as I think I said, I'm driving up to uh, Husavik, but halfway along, I'm going to the car museum. And we're going to make a program there as well. I'm a bit of a petrol head, I must admit. So I think I'd get on quite well here. Yeah, I think so too. Um, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you uh, for having me. A lot, of, a lot of news coming from the north of Iceland, of course. And we were guided through at least some of it by Olaf Runer Lensdottir, my colleague here at Ruv in Akureyri. My name's Darren Adam, and you can get in touch with us on Ruv English anytime. We are English at ruv.is. There is more from Ruv English with all the news from Iceland in English at ruv.is slash English. Ruv English Radio is a daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Ruv. <laughs>